0: This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. One of the people who has taught me how to become a better fly fisher is James Kettleman. Dave, you ever heard of him?
1: I have not. Is he one of your uh, fly-fishing mentors from Montana?
0: No. uh, The reason you haven't heard of him, although maybe you should have, is because he's a character in a Louis L'Amour novel.
1: Oh my, I have read a lot of Louis L'Amour, at least back in the day.
0: Oh, I know it. Well, James Kettleman was the kid at the crossing who witnessed a notorious gunfight in which his mentor was gunned down. So he made his way back to the East Coast before eventually heading west as... As Flint. Oh, now I remember the yeah. name Flint. Yeah, 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 right. Flint was the title of the book. So, see, you you have met James <laughs> Kettleman. Anyway, his first job in New York City was driving a horse-drawn cab, and he discovered that business leaders used to discuss their business affairs as though he was deaf, as, as the cab driver. So, uh, one day, Flint overheard a discussion between two businessmen about a building they planned to put up and the way they intended to acquire the property for it. So the next morning, Flint moved quickly and bought an option on an adjacent lot. Uh, He sold this lot two weeks later for, as you can imagine, a substantial profit. And then he spent a year working as a messenger for a brokerage house, and he kept his mouth shut, his ears open, and his eyes open. And uh, using the information that he gained, he, he made good investments and watched his net worth grow. And uh, later, he developed an information service of office boys, messengers, waiters, cleaning women, and they, they listened for him and reported back to him, and then the information helped make him a fortune. So, what strikes me...
1: By the way, what happened to him in the book? How did he become Flint? Flint.
0: Uh, I think that was the name of the guy who was gunned down. So he, he thought he had cancer. His doctor told me he had cancer. So he, he headed west to die in this remote place. Well, it turned out he had a stomach ulcer. And so he became Flint. And, of course, uh, this gunslinger. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and, and that's awesome. Yeah. I do not remember that story. It's actually a pretty good story. You know, those Louis L'Amour books are kind of like potato chips for the soul. <laughs> yeah. You can't just have one. you got to no, read the no, whole that, that's right. line of books. Yeah. So, hey, there you go. If uh, When you're done listening to this podcast, you need something else to do. Listen to uh, uh, get a Louis L'Amour novel. The, the Sackets though, were the ones that... Yeah. Remember the Sackets. Was there a Tyler like, Sackett? Yep, yep, Ty Sackett. And, or Ty uh, Sackett. William yeah. Tell and Tyler, but Ty, yeah.
1: But this the tall, thin, with... Thin hips and a gun slung around yeah, the waist. Yeah, that's right.
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> wow. Well, just to pull us back from memory lane, <laughs> the reason that I brought up Flint was this is what you and I have done when it comes to fly fishing. I mean, we've borrowed, begged, and maybe stolen information. Yeah. We, we've kept our ears and eyes open, and, and we're going to share a little bit of uh, the just some of the advice that we've picked up over the years on today's podcast. Uh, this is best fly fishing advice, part two. And hey, if this doesn't work for you, uh, we will uh, refund your money. Well, you get your money back. Uh, well, that's <laughs> right. I guess we don't charge for these. No, but, we don't. Uh, anyway. But you, if you
1: don't like this one, go back to the first one. Or if you yes. do like this one, yeah. go back to the first one.
0: Yep best fly fishing advice part one that's right more tips and hacks and it will transform the way that you fly fish <laughs> if not the way that you live <laughs> yeah. all right so here are a few more pieces of advice we've followed over the years
1: so the first is pause before you step into the river
0: why are you looking at me when you say that <laughs>
1: <laughs> because you're always running ahead so that's i can't right. pause i have to anxiously pursue yeah. you so i can at least get one run ahead of you <laughs> So this is just practical uh, advice. I tend to be slow down, Slow down. Huh? Yeah. yeah, it's it's don't consume the river. Don't yeah. con- you know, act as if it's a day at work. So on the Colby index, there's this test. I tend to be a quick start, well not tend to be. I am a quick start and and I tend to move my day as as through the day as a small business owner, just moving from one thing to the next and I just don't ever have a luxury of having a day like like all those days on, on, on the sitcom, the office, oh, you know, man. where they sit around.
0: <laughs> You're not Jim. Who's I'm not Jim. Just no. <laughs> pulling pranks on Dwight.
1: <laughs> so at, and nor do I have a corporate job where you can burn a day here and there and not obviously I don't think that corporate people do that, but I, I mean, you can hide, you just can't hide in what I do. So I tend to take all those worst traits of just having to be busy all the time. And I, I, I end up on the river and I just, okay, I got to hurry and consume it and, so this idea of pausing before you step into the river is just really good advice. Oh, that really is. And what it does is it helps you one just slow down, just mm-hmm. just your own speed internally yeah. and how you approach the day. But also it helps you catch more fish because you're starting to watch, and as we all know, the fish are near the bank. Yep. And before mm-hmm. you step into the river and spook a bunch of fish, so. This piece of advice I'm not even sure where I got it from maybe I learned it from you I don't know but uh, there's a lot of books <laughs> you, on it
0: you didn't learn slowing <laughs> down from me yeah but
1: it's just a great yeah. piece of simple advice it's so patently obvious but mm. if you don't do it that first cast you may have you may, by just stepping into that river you may have yeah. ruined the first couple casts that is you a may great have would, have point. A, would have caught a uh, caught a fish. So uh, hmm. pause before you step into the river.
0: How about you? Great point. Uh, I, one of the pieces of, pieces of advice that has helped me through the years is something I learned from a, uh, a, a ranger in Yellowstone, in Rocky Mountain National Park. His name is Jerry Williams. And the, the piece of advice that, that I think was modeled more than it was just declared with words was fish the out-of-the-way places. So Jerry Williams was this larger than life. Uh, I call him a Texas Ranger. He was a Texas college professor, and he was a seasonal ranger. He'd come up to Colorado every summer and work. And he he would lead a, a weekly fly fishing demonstration in in Moraine Park in the Moraine Park Campground Amphitheater. And uh, he was really entertaining anyway. But his kind of his shtick was that at the end of the the end of his presentation he'd walk we'd walk down over the hill with him to the big thompson river and there were a bunch of beaver dams and and he would he says yeah i haven't been sk- i was only skunked one time in like the last 12 years and and he would always catch a you know eight inch brookie, and oh, wow that's amazing and but i remember watching him fish and one day he he looked like he was just fishing in the grass but there were these grass channels i mean there were beaver dams and there were some channels that were probably you know two feet deep and they were about oh man maybe only about three feet wide and they just flowed right through the grass and he would catch trout out of those and i, I thought to myself that is not a place i would have uh, fished uh, thought yeah i would have thought about fishing and you know through the years i've, I've kind of looked out for some of those places i think a lot of them have been in side channels I, I remember one in the boulder river a few years ago there was a side channel and there were a couple of guys on the main river so i uh, i just walked up this side channel and it looked like most of it was dry but all of a sudden there was just one deep pool it was almost like the fish were trapped there because after the spring runoff and good night. I, I caught you know, two or three really nice trout. And then, you know, after you catch about three out of a small pool, they, they all kind of uh, spook for a while. And, and then I remember do you remember, Dave, when we fished the Madison between Quake and Hebgen that year? And you know, it was like in March. And it was kind of a cold, blustery day, spinning oh, yeah, snow. I do. And, and i probably the biggest fish I caught that day was this beautiful rainbow. Oh, in, in I remember that channel. fish. Yeah, and it was kind of a place that I think would easily get overlooked, and it's I a actually huge spawner. It was. I, I saw it feeding, and so I, I think that's something that I've, you know, I've paid attention to over the years. I, I remember in Montana, sometimes uh, near the Yellowstone River where my folks lived, we'd go up and fish the kind of the irrigation ditch because sometimes uh, fish ran up there, and uh, uh, and we weren't using flies at that point. But I guess the lesson is you never know where you're going to find a, a, a trout, and sometimes it's not in the, the, the predictable pools. Yeah. So Or the runs. Yeah. You
1: walk up and you think that's yeah. the run. Yeah. 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 Through the years, both of us have caught a lot of fish in those yeah. kind of quirky places. Yeah. We just toss one in. Next sure. thing you know, you're ripping one out. So. I know.
0: Well, hey, these are two great pieces of advice. We we probably ought to quit because. Uh, you know, we've just given so some much deep, wisdom, so much but, value here, but yeah. why don't we keep going? We'll give some more <laughs> things. Now the rest of these are free. It, <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: So my next one is always keep the line through your trigger finger. If you're holding it in your right hand, that trigger finger on your right hand. So I know this and usually I do this but you can get sloppy or I can get sloppy fishing small creeks all the time. And where this really makes a big difference is fishing bigger rivers. Now, again, hosts of people have told me this, I've read books on it, Mm -hmm. but when you're mending early and often on those big rivers and the fish are bigger, having that line through your trigger finger is just mission critical. And um, you know, I remember Curtis, uh, the, the guide that we've used in West Yellowstone, you know, when you're mending, you've got a lot of line out. He's only time he's using that reel and he'll, he'll spin it with his left hand. If you, if you're right-handed pulling in all that line, yeah. where, you know, all that excess line, but you're not really using the reel at all right. until, yeah. until you actually start to fight the fish and you mm. have to get all that line and then you use the reel to actually fight the fish. But generally it. If you don't have that line through your trigger finger, you're just it, it, you're just simply not able to bring in some of those bigger fish. Yeah. So, it's just a, it's a simple thing. It's probably mm-hmm. something you le- learned the first time you picked up a fly rod at a at your TU chapter or a fly fishing class, but it is a discipline that you just have to continue yeah. to do. And so, I guess that's a bit of fly fishing advice that has made a difference for me.
0: How about you? You know, another piece of advice uh, is one that that Gary Borger taught me, and it's, uh, yeah, the uh, title of that book is uh, The Angler as Predator, but I I guess the reason it made sense is I remember a time when I was, when I was bow hunting many years ago in Montana up in the uh, uh, beartooth Absorkey Wilderness Area, and I was, uh, I was with a friend, and I was using a, uh, we used the I used a cow elk call I mean once in a while I'd, I'd bugle like a bull but I just used the cow elk call and my friend said hey turn around and I turned around and, and here was a mountain lion kind of Holy on its cow. haunches. yeah 30 30 yards behind us and so we we got out of the you know, just decided, let's leave the area and that thing stalked us for it's probably a quarter of a mile maybe even half a mile and when we stopped it stopped and you know, it just, so much stealth sometimes I thought oh, I think it's gone and then I you know I'd, I'd look a little bit and I just see it still with cow everything oh, peering was, through the was, grass Oh, yeah. man, that was spooky. It really was well Gary Borger in, in his book the angler as predator says that Fly fishers are predators stalking prey. You know, they they're supposed to move stealthily and purposefully They stay hidden they keep quiet until they're uh, ready to overtake their prey and you mentioned it just a moment ago, you know, sometimes we can go stumbling through the, the water and, and, um, and wonder why we don't catch. Yeah, fish, yeah, right? exactly. So I, I think this whole idea of sneaking up on, on fish through those, their lateral line, they can detect, uh, you know, sound waves. And if you're, you're clomping along, uh, you know, they, they can tell that. Uh, certainly they, they can see you with sun and shadows. So, yeah, you have to think like a predator, and I, I think that's helped me. Uh, hope it's helped me catch more fish. I wonder if people who
1: come straight to fly fishing and they don't, let's say, grow up fishing for walleye northern, boat fishing. Yeah. I wonder if they have some advantages, because I'm not sure there's just a lot of techniques and, and tricks that really... Transfer from traditional fishing into fly fishing.
0: No, I mean you're you're fishing, some I'm right, sure, but you're but fishing walleye or northern. You're you're in a boat or you're you're in a dock and you're you're making cast. It's not like you have to sneak up unless you, you know that there's a fish under the dock or something. Um, it's just different. different yeah, it really yeah, really That's is. That's great. So yeah, yeah, think like a, like a predator. That's great.
1: Another one for me is is has to do with mending. And this, again, came from our guide out in West Yellowstone. But the simple way to mend longer drifts is by drawing a circle around your head by lifting up the tip of the rod. So you just kind of draw a circle as you're trying to lift mm, that line yeah. off the water. Of course, you have surface tension on the water, which creates problem. But as opposed to like this full arm movement that I try to do sometimes when I'm mm-hmm. on these big rivers, yeah. but you just simply lift up the rod tip and make a circle and you can you can actually lift that line off the water and mend it very simply and easily. So it again it's a, it's kind of a hack or a simple trick. Yeah. uh but it's it's the one of the best fly pieces of fly fishing advice that I've had in recent years to really it help really me is. mend better. And of course there's multiple ways to mend. And really mending is not really emphasized much. You know you have to do it until you get to those big rivers, yeah. right? and you have a lot of space between you and the end of your drift mm-hmm. and there's and there's also this the importance of feeding out line which is a form of mending as your drift continues that mm-hmm. last 20%. So this idea of using a lifting up your rod tip and creating a circle around your head is a way to mm-hmm. to get that line off the water and and readjust your mend.
0: Yeah, and then if it's going downstream and you want that longer drift you're... you're doing that same circle technique you're drawing a circle only your 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 rod tip is pointed downstream right, right at your right. line that's yeah exactly right. yeah that, that's a great one here's another uh piece of advice that uh, that you know i've learned over the years and that is give your fly some movement uh, i first learned this from a guy named Dwayne dunham and we were fishing together on the yellowstone river in the fall of 1986 and Dwayne is actually uh Uh, an Oregonian, uh, a great Oregon fly fisher. And uh, when we were fishing the Yellowstone, I think we had streamers that day, but he was showing me the Joe Brooks method, which was basically lifting up your rod uh, during this drift, uh, lifting it and lowering it so that uh, that's what your fly does. And, And I was reminded of the significance of that last fall when we watched our friend Dave Kumling uh, make his streamer twitch by lowering and lifting his rod. And you know what? This matter of making your fly move a little bit can work on the surface with your dry flies. I mean, you know, if you've got an attractor pattern on, or especially if you've got a hopper on, yeah. I mean, just give it a twitch. You know, Let it skip a little bit, especially if it's in slower water. And we've seen this with hoppers. You give it a little skate and boom, all of a sudden... Yeah. Uh, you just get that attacked, and I like I say I've had to keep learning this because sometimes I just let the nymph just amble down the the current or or I'll just strip in my uh, streamer my woolly bugger at the same rate of speed but the whole idea of uh, twitching it of lifting lowering it giving that fly some movement that can really make all the difference
1: okay so here's my next piece of advice which is probably the most important piece that i'll offer you this afternoon and that is when it comes time for you to do a drift boat guided a guided drift boat trip and you're with your partner and you're standing where you're going to put in Move as quickly as you can to the front of the drift boat when you start out on the day so that you secure the front seat oh, in the
0: drift boat. You're awful, That's Dave. the
1: best piece of fly fishing ah. advice I can give you. Oh, it's man. the best seat in the house. Yes. It's less awkward to cast, certainly if you're right-handed, and I'm sure if you're left-handed, it's no different. <laughs> and and you don't get seconds because in the rear seat, you're if you're going downstream with the front of the boat, As the front of the boat and you're going down with the front pointed forward, you just, you're getting seconds all the way down the stream. So fight for that first seat, that front seat in the drift boat as much as
0: possible. Well, now that you've given away the tip, uh, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. (laughs) Next year when we we go on a float trip. Why is our friend yelling at us? (laughs) All right, so do you
1: have any brilliant wisdom to follow that up with? You know,
0: I I do. I mean, this, I'm sorry, but this is even going to top yours. I mean, this is one of the most profound things I've ever learned. And I learned it from my friend Joel Uh, years ago. We were fishing a little stream south of Helena, Montana. And Joel brought this great lunch. He said, I'll take care of lunch today. Well, he did. For was, you, he brought yours, Yeah, he too? brought mine oh as my well. Gosh. This great lunch. And the fishing wasn't that great, but the lunch was. And I remember him saying, well, you can't control the fishing, but you can control the eating. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, oh, of course. maybe you can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but control the eating. I mean, no. No self control involved. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's true. And I found that that applies to hunting as well. <laughs> yeah, it does. You may not uh, be able, you can't control whether or not a six point bull, you know, walks by and you get a shot at it. But, uh, uh, man, if you're packing your own lunch you can you can put some good stuff in that
1: I just have Uh, to tell the story so in North Dakota where we hunt we always go back every fall and hunt waterfowl and pheasant and this year we decided to go to this little place called the chat and chew and it's (laughs) in this small town and literally there might be 50 people in the entire time and we're just grateful that there's a place to go to. Now we often bring lunch, but you know, the lunch we often are done eating the lunch by about nine (laughs) o'clock. So when it's lunchtime, we're still hungry. So we go to this place called the Chat and Chew and it's, the food is horrible. I can't even (laughs) tell you. They'll bring out a hamburger and you're thinking, where has this hamburger been? and it's like the only thing you can really eat are the french fries. Oh man. I mean literally, we we've we've like laughed at some of the food that's been brought out and it's by two older ladies who who do the cook there and it's it's the only thing that's safe is like the bottled diet coke. <laughs> and so every year we have this hope that it's going to be better, but it <laughs> never is. This last fall oh, we were man. there and we were just shaking our heads like how can we even how did we make this decision to come back here at noon to the chat and chew? So we have all these little riffs: the chat and choke, oh, you know, the chat, and di- the chat and die, the you know, That's all these little riffs off the off the off the name
0: of the cafe. Well, now you have this advice: you can't control the fishing, but you can control the eating. Yet, I just thought of this, Dave. I've not thought of this in years. But my grandpa, my dad's dad. Uh, you know, he was quite the outdoorsman. He he grew up hunting and fishing up in the Adirondacks where our friend uh, Glenn Zarboni lives. And, uh, uh, in fact, I still have the antlers from a 10-point a buck. You know, that's eastern count. Uh, in the west, we called it a 5 by 5 But, uh, you know, it's big white tail. I still have the antlers from that buck that he shot, like, back in 19, I don't know what it was, 1927 or something. But That's not in your house, is it? It's in my garage. Oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. hanging? Uh, it's it's not the full mount. It's just the antlers. Oh, okay. but Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I was going to anyway. say, your
1: wife is actually oh, quite generous if she well, allows you to hang that thing in the house.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially a mount from 1927. <laughs> but my grandpa used to tell this joke, and I thought it was kind of corny as a kid, but it applies to this wisdom. He said, yeah, there was a guy who who uh, every time he would go hunting... His, He and his buddy, he'd he'd open up his lunch. He goes, oh, not another duck sandwich. I am so sick of duck sandwiches. And he'd go on and on. And then my grandpa's telling this. He said, then his friend says, well, why don't you tell your wife to pack something out, something else? And the guy goes, hey, leave my wife out of it. I pack my own lunches. So did you get it? No, I didn't. Well, okay, so it's the guy who's complaining about his—he's always eating the same thing all the time, and his friend says, "Well, why don't you tell your wife to do something different?" And and it's him. Yeah, it's him. So. <laughs> oh, okay, I yeah, got it. Sorry. Pretty, oh man, <laughs> am I that bad a joke teller? No, or, or no, no, no. Dave I just, just missed really, it. Yeah. yeah, I just missed it. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing over there? Checking your email on your phone or something? <laughs> anyway, he needed that. Man, Dave, that was my big moment. I'm you sorry. Blew it for me. I'm so
1: sorry. I lost Oh, it. boy. I just like, whoop, over my head. It was a little bit I too know. sophisticated, I well, think.
0: Well, let's save the day here and go to great stuff from our listeners. Can we do that? Oh, oh gosh. man. So here's a comment. Why
1: does everything end up with food with us?
0: I don't know that. Everything I don't know. always
1: comes back to the most basic element of life, well, which is. That's
0: why it's a basic element of life. That's so. right. Okay. All right. So great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment we received from Tom on the mystique of fly fishing tom said i really enjoyed listening to your mystique podcast as i drove to the stream yesterday it reminded me of a thought i often have while standing in the creek when you set foot into a stream you are connected to all the flowing water in the world since all of that water is making its way to the oceans you are linked through them to fellow fly fishers in montana alaska tennessee patagonia slovenia and on the test and itching in England, as well as to your buddy a hundred yards downstream. It's just a bit of food for thought." That's great. Yeah, that's really cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: that's a great comment. Yeah,
0: that really is. I... There's
1: this sense of connection with the water flowing yeah. into you and then away from yeah, you.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the end of a river runs through it. Yeah. And did you notice his last <laughs> line, it's just a bit of food for thought. You think there you go. Everything comes back. Everything comes back to food. That's a terrific thing. Oh, man. Well, that's all for today. Uh, What other pieces of fly fishing advice would you like to share? Uh, You can respond by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinarever.com. Uh, What are some of the best fly fishing and eating, I mean fly fishing pieces (laughs) of advice you've ever received?
1: Thank you for referring our
0: podcast. Keep forwarding
1: on the links and emails that you get from us. You can sign up for our email by hitting our website. But keep doing that to your TU chapter and fly fishing club. We're so grateful for that. That's how we grow and have grown. Keep sending us ideas for episodes. We'd love to hear more from you. And one more thing, if you haven't yet purchased our book, you can do so at Amazon. It's called The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Life is short, catch more fish.
0: Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River.
1: For the love of fly fishing.